You're listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast, the podcast where we focus exclusively on all things local to the DMV area. Local investors, local knowledge, local experts. Our journey starts now. Hey everyone, my name is Russell Brazil. I am an associate broker with Arlo Real Estate and the host of the DC Real Estate Podcast, and we are back. I'm Sarah Frank, also with Arlo Real Estate, the District Invest Group, agent in Maryland. And uh, we've gotten some requests uh, to get a particular type of professional on here, and we finally have a home inspector on, so we're really excited uh, to talk to Phil. So Phil, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. So my name is Phil Dancer. I am the owner and lead inspector for Frederick Home Inspection Services. So I've been in the industry now for about two years. Uh, we and our entire company, so we go anywhere in the DMV, and we're also licensed in West Virginia. And uh, Phil's sort of on my radar because he's he's sort of marketing the way I do. One of my favorite ways is Instagram. You are blowing up on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, it's it's really, really interesting because uh, when I first started in the industry, I actually didn't want to do Instagram at all. I thought I was just going to use uh, Facebook as my platform uh, to be able to communicate with everyone. And my wife had to twist my arm and say, well, actually, you, you should really consider Instagram. Um, and after a little bit of just going back and forth, signed up for Instagram and then. Yeah. What's your handle so we can get you some follows here? Oh, uh, Frederick Inspector. Frederick okay. Inspector is, is my personal handle. And then I just started the company one, Frederick uh, Home Inspections. Okay. Yes. Super, super easy to remember. And, you know, I, I think one of the reasons that Instagram's great compared to Facebook, at least, is there seems to be this ability to where Instagram sort of it's socially acceptable to DM and interact with strangers. Um, and on Facebook, that's really not to an extent. Yeah. To an, to an extent. extent. I'm not saying be creepy slide on someone's DMs yeah. like, but, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of online networking that goes on in Instagram and um, I get a lot of clients that way. So do you Sarah? And, and it's more obviously. casual, which I think a lot of people like that. It's more of like a be real type of thing. You can be goofy or, you know, I'm not, I think I'm funny, but you know, everyone follows people that matches their sense of humor and it's not so much a Facebook. It feels very formal, similar to LinkedIn. Like you're always putting your best foot forward where you can be a little off the cuff on Instagram. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, Sarah, Facebook can be very negative and toxic and Instagram is a much more positive environment in general. The really interesting thing that I've found with just all the social media platforms is nowadays in 2022, you know, we're all looking to determine whether or not somebody is credible. And one of the big ways that we now determine, you know, credibility is, is this person doing what they say that they're doing every single day? You know, and I know there are a lot of people that still look and read reviews and, you know, and, you know, put a lot of emphasis on the reviews, but I'm hearing more and more, especially from Gen Z, where they say it's not just about the reviews anymore. I want to see you physically doing it. I, I agree. And, you know, some of the content that works best with my followers is just the simplest stuff when I'm at showing a property, doing a little 30 second clip and just telling them about things I look for in the property. And it's one of the things I like about following you is um, just, you know, simple, short stories that are where you're there talking about, you know, what you're looking for on the property, what the mistakes are, what those problems are. 
Yeah. And the other thing too is with, with those social media platforms, it instantly creates this connection, you know, between the professional as well as the client or the family that you're trying to help that you had never been able to gain before. So I think that also speeds up the whole entire uh, referral, um, you know, trying to grow your book of business and make it predominantly where your referral base a lot faster uh, because they're, they're starting to get to, to know you. Right. Yeah, they're getting to know you and you're building trust with a wide ranging audience. So instead of meeting someone, a stranger for the first time and trying to build trust with them, and I'm sure you you meet some people that have never seen your social media on inspection, you're trying to build trust throughout that inspection as opposed to someone who may have been following you for a year where that trust is already established. Right. And one of the things that I actually just did um, literally about a couple of days ago is so social media is so important to us that I actually just uploaded a social media aggregator into our website. So if you go to the to, to our homepage, scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's actually two rows, five columns where it's actually feeding in into or from our, our Instagram page. Um, so they're able to see what we're doing on a daily basis. And then you can actually click follow us right then and there. Very cool. And then we're able to capture. Ca- That's ca- what we aspire to. We aspire so. to that. Yeah, we actually, there. we have our new website launching today, actually. So oh, very cool. I'll have to so, check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us, so what have you been seeing in the market? You, you mentioned a couple of interesting things that you've noticed here re- uh, recently. Yeah. So one, so I, I saw it slow down initially once the rates started to tick back up. And that was for about a week or so. And then things started to normalize. So as I mentioned before, so I, I came from a different life. I was a private banker. I was in finance. And interest rates are historically you know much higher than this. If I remember correctly, I think interest rates usually hover around 8% or so. But you know for the past you know ten, roughly 10 years, everyone has been so used to just historically low interest rates. So now things are starting. You know, now that they're starting to creep back up to uh, you know a more normalized level, people that weren't accustomed to it are now looking at it, thinking, "Oh wow, this is this is the new normal for me." But I think once everyone starts to realize that it's this is still a great time to buy, and interest rates are still historically low, it'll go back to normal. Yeah, it's funny because I've definitely heard a lot of people complaining, "Oh, we're at you know five five and a half interest rates," and I'm like, "Yeah, my my first house." Now, I, I feel like I'm my parents now, right? Saying back in the day, I paid so much. But there is a um, key difference in the price, like the actual cost of the house versus like prices have inflated so much. But so of incomes. But I'm talking about like the past couple of years, as far oh, as oh, definitely like, the last two years. Afford something, especially if you're a first time home buyer, your purchasing power has gone down so much as a combination of the higher interest rates and house prices are just insane. That the starter home doesn't really exist anymore at that level that it used to. Yeah, we're not building uh, beginning housing anymore. Um, that's for sure. But but what was I going to say? Salaries have risen dramatically. So, um, and this is something people often overlook. So people always say stagnant wages, stagnant wages. Well, actually, over the last twenty years, wages have outpaced the inflation rate by about double. Um, so up until the last two years. Salaries had been growing faster than home prices. Now, the last two years, home prices have outpaced wages, but that's just the last two years. Um, but you saw a slowdown in your, I don't want to say in your business, but probably in inspections, and then it picked right back up mm-hmm. after um, after the shock wore off. Right, yeah. right. And, and, and that's exactly what I expected. I didn't expect it to pick back up that quickly. 
Um, but one of the things that I think that needs to happen, and there are a lot of things that are preventing it from happening, is we need to get the new construction community to continue to ramp up, you know, ramp up production, uh, just because you know th- there is such a you know, lack of inventory, as everybody knows. And I just, I personally think that the, you know one of the best ways to combat that is just building more affordable homes, you know, for everybody. Um, you know, in in our particular area, I mean, you can't. It's hard to find you know a reasonably priced home. I mean, oftentimes the homes that I'm fortunate enough to be able to go into, you know, these are seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, um, and we're starting to. And I, I always, I always call them sandboxes. And my wife, um, my wife laughs when I use that analogy. Uh, but the sandbox, you know, that that I'm starting to play in is is in the multi million dollar sandbox, um, and it's only going to get more expensive for folks. And you know, now that interest rates are going up, I would imagine we'll see some type of decline in prices because you know, it, you know, the market's just going to have to accommodate you know the fact that you know homes still need to be bought but I, what i'm seeing from a lot of the builders is they're they can't just keep up with they can't keep up with the demand because you know there are certain there are certain margins that they need to have um and if they're getting if they're getting pushed back in terms of bottlenecks for supplies um worker shortages um from the construction side but then also being able to manage the whole entire process it's it, it doesn't help the situation yeah one thing i've been observing in the new construction uh, sector, which this is always an interesting indicator. So during the last two years, uh, the builders were offering insanely low commissions. Like some of them were as low as a thousand dollars, which is really, really low. Um, over the last 60 days, I've seen just about every builder bump up these commissions um, to what the industry standard is. Um, and so that's been a very surprising change in the last 60 days, which is telling me, not necessarily that they're having trouble selling them, but they're worried that that can likely happen. And so now they want to start making friends with agents again after, you know, being sort of uh, confrontational with agents mm. the last two years. I, I am also seeing um, a fundamental shift in, ter- in terms of how they interact with the general public, but then also with realtors. I mean, so, for example, I, I heard from a family the other day where they were able to get blinds in their house. The blinds were included. Oh, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen blinds included. Yeah. When was the last time that that happened? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then also I've heard other things where they're also starting to provide incentives. They're starting to throw in a washer and dryer again. Mm-hmm. You know, over the last two years, that, that, that wasn't the case. You know, some builders will ask you to, you know, they'll, they'll release, you know, release certain lots and batches and then they'll, they'll invite you to, to now bid on it. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're worried that, and again, I don't think they've hit this point yet, but they're smart enough to be planning for the, the fact where they know that moving an eight hundred thousand million dollar townhouse right is maybe not going to be e- that easy over the next six nine months. Um, speaking of new construction, because you're a home inspector, um, this always brings up a great topic. So many people skip inspections on new construction, which um, is just obviously can be a disaster. Can be okay, but it can be a disaster. To- you got any good new construction stories? Uh, <laughs> just follow my Instagram page. Um, so in- interesting. So yes, you are right. The majority of the the majority of families in our area choose to skip uh, the inspection process because what they equate to in their mind is so they think it's new, so therefore it must be perfect. But what I always try to remind everybody: so yes, it is new, but it's still a human being that's installing it incorrectly, not following the directions, uh, not caring as much as they should, or it becomes damaged or comes in damaged from the fact from the factory itself so the other thing i always tell everyone is that so remember there's it takes a whole village to build your house 
right? So just like in your own place of work, you have different dynamics. So you're going to have a colleague that has one foot out the door. You're going to have a colleague that's disgruntled, uh, but can't leave. You're going to have the overachiever, uh, where the, the upper managers realize that that person is doing a phenomenal job. So they gave that person three other job duties that they can't handle. So now they're overworked and then their ability to oversee has now been diminished. So now imagine taking all those colleagues or personalities and then push them into your house and ask them to build it. How many, you know, how many things do you think are going to pop up all, all the time? I was talking to a builder um, just this past week, a site supervisor, and he, he said that he was asking me, how are you in so many of my homes? Because he said, typically for every row of five, you know, for, for every row of five homes that are in a townhome, it's usually one, one family gets that inspection done. Um, and now I'm seeing you every single week. Yeah, that's amazing. Only 20%. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that crazy? But I, I think what's happening is, or, or, or at least like within like my book of business and the families that I'm helping, I'm starting to see this fundamental shift in terms of how people are starting to look at inspections and how they approach it and how they think about it. And it's starting to, and they're starting to think about it differently. Like now I, there are certain communities where I've, I'm probably approaching anywhere between 30 to 40% of that entire community. Like I've actually touched in a positive way where people are calling me and saying, Hey, so my new neighbor, uh, you did their house. They just shared the inspection report. Can you come over? And, but the other really neat thing about it is, is that they're starting to realize that these things are popping up, but then it, it all, it just automatically spreads. And I don't have to pick up the phone and call people that I don't know. I don't have to uh, place a huge, heavy emphasis on making sure that I'm relevant, you know, fr- from a Google search standpoint, people are calling. Um, but that's also one of the reasons why I, I, so I knock on the table to not jinx myself. Um, but that's one of the reasons why we haven't really been impacted so much by what was happening because I've, I've grown to become so referral based within such a short period of time that it's just constantly coming in. Yeah. So. Uh, the more and more referrals you get, it, which comes from doing a good job right off the bat, um, really going to really sustains, uh, professionals during economic during towns, the, the ones that, because not only do you have people referring you out there, but those people are like your fans. They are out yes. there, you know, they're not just saying, oh, this guy's good. They're like singing your praises. They're like a online review in person. Um, and they don't want their friends to use anyone else except you. Yes. And it's and it's a way in, 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 the, in the sales industry, we call it drip marketing. I call Instagram probably the best form of drip marketing that I've ever seen because they have, because you have the ability to stay in front of your audience every single day. And then it's non-threatening because they have the ability to choose when they want to consume your content, when they want to interact with you. But since you're constantly, you know, dripping on them, as soon as there's a life changing event where they need somebody or they know somebody that needs somebody, you are front of mind. Yep. So. Yeah, it's amazing just the ability to stay in front of people day after day after day. And it, it's always shocking when I look at to see who's viewing my stories. It's the same few hundred people day after day. Like, don't they get bored of this? But they don't. <laughs> <laughs> because they love you. Yeah. You know, and they find your content interesting. And the other the, the other really neat thing is when you see the, the new people that are starting to view and interact and then you see them consistently following, it's almost it's it's almost a that, that's an indicator that this person probably has a life changing event coming up where they will be needing your services. Yeah. So then like I I was helping a family in Potomac over the weekend and and, and the and the wife had said, I've actually been following you for months. 
very nice family. I had no idea who she was. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when you have those thousands of followers, it's not possible to know every single one of them going the other way. But um, that's awesome when you hear that and you're like, oh, what I'm doing is working. And it's a validation that, you know, if you're showing up every single day, if you're putting out consistent content in, in content that's engaging, it works. And, and when I say consistent, and I'm sure you guys agree with, agree with me, when I say consistent, it doesn't necessarily have to be every single day, but it has to be consistent enough where, where you can be relevant to your audience. Don't let them forget about you. Yeah. So let's circle back to the new construction. Obviously, one of the best times to do a new construction inspection is before that drywall goes up because all, all the problems are behind the drywall. So what are some really good stories of some really big mess up you've seen um, that you've had to say, hey, we got to get this corrected? You know, what's really interesting. So it actually so the interesting story was actually during the final inspection hmm. where I went in to do the, to, to do the final inspection. Um, and when I went to go in the laundry room, I tested the dryer outlet. It wasn't drawing power. So when I put that onto the report, uh, after they dug into it to find out why it wasn't drawing power, they pulled out the outlet and they realized there was no electrical wiring. But the electrical <laughs> wiring was there during the pre-drywall because I, I, was, I was swiping. I went back into the pictures to see, you know, was, ele- was that electrical wiring indeed there during the pre-drywall? And it was. So this is also the reason why this is actually a perfect real-time example. The reason why it's important to not just do a pre-drywall, but the final inspection, because remember, it's a construction site. At any point in time, something that wasn't damaged or corrected can become damaged and in need of help. So when we when the new construction world is getting a house ready, you know, to turn it over to the family, oftentimes builders will not just have their own supervisor sweep through the house. Then if there's time, they'll have one of their buddies from another neighborhood or building another section of the neighborhood come over, sweep through the thing again, because, you know, it's two, two, two completely different sets of eyes. Then you'll have an independent um independent uh, third-party inspection firm come in uh, and also go through the house. And then you also have the county come over. But remember, everybody is stretched so thin, so they're only able to spend a certain amount of time in the the house. Um, So each person had actually missed the fact that 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 outlet wasn't drawing power. So then I come in, plug, and then see that that's not there. So one of the things that I wanted to do as like a differentiating factor for me um, when I started the company is I wanted it to be more higher end. I wanted it to be more luxury. I know I wanted to cater towards the luxury segment of the market. So part of that experience is doing something that's completely different than what everybody else is doing. And the, the most obvious one is just spending more time in the houses because that allows you to potentially discover more things just like that. So if I was going through the house and spot checking outlets, um, I might've, I might've missed that a whole bunch of other people missed it. And another example, um, from another house in that same neighborhood. So, you know, GFCI outlets for the most part, I think we all know that essentially outlet, if water touches it, it turns itself off for safety. So I had already tested the master bathroom and I knew both of them were working and they were protected. So I was looking at the shower. I saw, Another inspector come in or another person come in, check one outlet, but didn't check the other. And I, and I, and I was familiar with that person. So I said, Hey, Hey, how are you? Good morning. Um, and, and that person said, Hey, Phil. And then I just jokingly said to him, Hey, don't worry about the other outlet. It works. That person was already walking out. He goes, thanks, Phil. So, you know, this happens yeah. every single day. So one of my favorite quotes that I love to use with all the families that I help, especially when I'm engaging them for the first time, is actually a quote by Ronald Reagan. Trust. We want trust, 
but you got to verify. Yeah. You got to verify it because everyone wants to do the right thing. I, I think I can count on one hand how many times there was a disingenuous entity or individual that just wasn't there um, for, for the right reasons. Everyone wants to do a great job. It's just that everyone's getting pulled in so many directions when there's so many different moving pieces, things will get messed. Yeah. And I found there, at least in my anecdotally, I've found that there seems to be no correlation, whether it's a cheap builder or a full on luxury builder. There's mistakes in every property. It's just it's the way it is, right? There's thousands of things in the property Something's not going to be working right. And um, we got to find those things and get them fixed. Um, you know, and some things don't need to be fixed, right? Some some of these things don't really matter. In new construction, we want the builder to fix them, but most of them don't really matter. But sometimes there's some really important things like the, the dryer plug's not hooked up at all. I would love to be able to wash a dryer my clothes today. <laughs> I saw something like that. It was a vent. I don't know if you saw this. It was like a... a a vent and they had literally just glued the vent onto the wall. Like there was not an actual vent behind it. It was just a vent cover glued to the wall. I, I've seen that multiple <laughs> times now. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, that's great. And I know in our line of work too, things can change so quickly between inspection and closing. I was at inspection last week. The shower diverter was great. I went back the next day with another inspector and it fell. The whole thing fell out of the, out of the wall. <laughs> so things could change. And I'm sure even with like new construction, there's an even bigger timeline there. Things can change from A to B, people that's, can come in and mess things up even worse. That's the reason why, um, or at least I do. I don't know what the rest of the indus- industry does, but whenever when I when I'm writing narratives, and for the folks that are listening that don't understand narratives, so that's how that's what we describe, or that's what we call like talking about a defect. But when I write narratives, I always start by saying at the time of the inspection, because at well, as soon as I leave, things could change. <laughs> You know, something that was fine when I was there may not be fine later. You know, perfect example. So, you know, for for new construction, the builder's going to run the, the you know the you know the dishwasher. I'm going to run the dishwasher. However, sometimes that 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 sump pump that's sitting at the bottom of the dishwasher, something might be wrong with it. It might take a couple cycles for it to start leaking. So when I'm at the house, I'm not running it just once. I'm actually running it the whole entire time when I'm there. So as soon as that cycle stops, go back down, hit start again. When that cycle stops, start it again. That's just one of like the the, the, the little like tweaks that, that I'm doing. That's that I think are, is a little bit more high end, a little bit more like a, a, a little bit more hands on, um, because I'm essentially trying to get or discover if something's not going to work while I'm there. Yeah, and you, you, both you guys bring up such a good point, and it really is illustrative in in new construction that things are constantly changing. Because one of the things we see in the new construction is this drywall dust everywhere right and mm-hmm. drywall dust gets into stuff and clogs it get into a dishwasher and clog it dishwasher could be fine one day someone left it open while they're sanding the wall suddenly it's clogged with drywall dust and then the consumer's like this is broken uh why did the inspector miss this <laughs> well it it got clogged after the inspection for so we're only looking at once short period in time and things are going to continue to evolve after you you leave after we leave a property that's a you know so I so I just came from this beautiful farmhouse. It's a it's it's it's, it's approaching two million. Um, you, you you might have seen it on 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 um I think I, I had it on stories the other day. But so the the husband said that he had his appliances there for probably the past like four months, and then just had like a you know like a tarp over it. But going back to your story, yeah. They've been drywall sanding. They've been painting. Stuff's probably in it. Things are banging into them. At least he got his appliances on time. 
I know, right? I feel like you do high-end stuff, too. I was on an inspection last week, and it was, like, all brand-new appliances. It was, like, a touchscreen dishwasher, inspector, client, myself. None of us could figure out how to turn the thing on. It had power. It was drawing power. (laughs) We were pressing every button. It was crazy. I thought it was going to, like, take off, like, R2-D2 and just roll across. Like, it's a smart... Oh, I feel like I have that that problem with Nest thermostats on inspections. Oh, like we're trying to get so the AC nervous. on. They've got the Nest, you know, set to it's only going to be at 75 because no one's home in the middle of the day. We can't get the AC on. Um, the ones that spin. Yeah. Those are the worst because I feel like they're they're prototype. It's meant to use, you're supposed to use an app for it. But if you don't, if you're not the app holder, yeah. you have to use the, the dial thing and it's really hard to use. It's not very intuitive. Yeah. I've had, I've had one in my house for the past, I think three or four years. All I do is turn the dial to actually change. I don't use any of the smart features. Yeah. <laughs> smart, yeah. So what are some of the uh, problems we might see in like properties that aren't new construction that might be common? I, I always like to tell my clients that in every decade that a house is built, there's something in there that in 20 years they're going to tell you is going to kill you, cause you cancer, right? And well, we live in these houses our whole lives. I want to take that one step further, too, because we work with a lot of investors. So if you are if you were to buy a house that needs work, like what's the best problem to have, like from a fix-it-yourself perspective versus like the worst, this is going to bankrupt you kind of problem if you're out shopping for houses? If you're out shopping for houses, you're going to want to look at the at the major components of the home. Very, very similar. So, so you know, when, when everyone in the mom were, you know, was, was buying, buying houses over the past two years we were we though the whole entire community from a home inspection standpoint we were we were being asked to do what we call for the most part walk and talks you know the abbreviated inspection and that's where we would go to the major components of the home and give them uh, at least what the condition of that of those particular systems were like so then that you know, that way they can feel comfortable to make whatever decision it was that you know that they wanted to go in uh, but what i always tell everyone is that like, like, like Russell was saying, every single generation or, or decade when a house was you know, being built, they're going to have the same issues because there are certain products and there are certain ways that we thought were okay to do something. And then the next decade, we realized, oh, that actually wasn't that great of an idea. Pull that out. So um, for the most part, what I see on a daily basis, it's maintenance. It's maintenance. Uh, but then you'll have older systems and older appliances. And I think one of the things that people sometimes um, don't realize is that it's not just this house. It's going to be any house that was built during this time period. So you just need to decide for yourself, um, do you love the house enough to want to pick up the maintenance tab on it? Very few times do I actually encounter something where it's a true safety hazard where I say, hey, don't stand on this or don't be in the house until the builder fix that. Very few and far between. However, you do not want to be the person that's quote unquote holding the bag for all these undiscovered maintenance items at the end of the day. That's the reason why, you know, part of the due diligence process um, and, you know, if and trying to be as prudent as possible, you need to know what the condition of that house is like. Yeah. At the Did very you, least, do an informational inspection. Yes. That's something that I find a lot of people don't know you can do. They think if it's not in your contract, you can't get one. But save you so much money. It is expensive out of pocket, especially if you get a really good, high-quality one. But you're going to save yourself so much money by being able to know the age of the roof. And then you can plan financially for when you're going to have to replace that or a bigger system like HVAC or something. So, Are you all seeing that, that sellers are starting to allow yeah. So and fixing things. Yeah. So basically, for two years, doing a home inspection was completely off the table. And as you said, you were doing tons of walk and talks, where you go in and just tell the buyer about the property, but 
this is before they're making an offer. Um, I think in the last two weeks, we've had three or four home inspections. Um, and we're actually been able to negotiate some repairs, which is it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. like a completely foreign concept of after the last two to three years. And I find us as agents too are because sellers immediately not the sellers, sorry, buyers are going to want to get as much fixed as possible, but they don't know what's realistic to have fixed. But right. at first, when there's well, maybe we can ask for X, Y, and Z. And my instinct is be like, well, we're asking too much. That's crazy. But then it'll come back. I'll indulge them and say, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. So. We'll ask. And then the, and the sellers are coming back saying, okay, we'll fix it. I'm yeah, because like, oh, they're suddenly scared by rising interest rates, and they're worried, what if I come back on the market? Um, you know, we're only talking about a couple grand in repairs here. Let's just get it done. And so we're seeing more and more of that, which is just um, refreshing. Um, so are you all starting to see more concessions then from the sellers besides just willing to repair things? Uh, it's been mostly repairs. I haven't seen too many situations I've run into yet where I'm getting seller credits. Okay. Um, but we definitely, we have three home inspections we're negotiating, um, like right in the midst of it now where hopefully we're up today and get a decent amount of repairs. Nice. And obviously like every property is different, right? Like if it was some property in Rockville that was super hot, that got five or six offers, we're not getting that done with. But if it's something where there was one offer or two offers, which we're seeing more of, then we get a little bit more leverage to do that. Um, but that also then means we have to swing back to setting proper expectations for our clients. Because basically for two years, we're telling our clients impossible to get absolutely anything. But now the pendulum is swinging back the other way. And we have to actually set the expectations for the clients is what is a reasonable repair? Um and like I had someone and when I go into a property, I always tell the client, hey, let's look at the age of the HVAC, the age of the water heater and estimate the age of the roof. That way, when we get when we get to the home inspection, none of these things are a surprise. We already know ahead of time. Well, I had a client um, in the past week who was like, I want it was on a multifamily property. I want two new water heaters, two new HVACs. I'm like, we made the offer knowing what the ages of these were because I pointed them out to you. I, I told you this was 20 years old. Um, so swinging back to setting proper expectations for the client is a skill that's going to be really important going forward. No, absolutely. And that's, and that's something that I think in, you know, any professional, if they're, if they're not doing that upfront, you know, they're really shooting themselves in, in the foot because then they're going to start coming up with unreasonable ex- expectations. And then setting the expectations, too, for what problems we're likely to encounter in a particular neighborhood or city. Because often, right, if if we're in a neighborhood that was built in 1970 and we know that every other house in the neighborhood has aluminum wiring, we know that this house has aluminum wiring, right? right. So hopefully we should be able to explain that to our clients way before the home inspection ever takes place so that they understand what aluminum wiring is. How do we fix the issue? No, we're not going to pull every wire out of the house. Um, <laughs> Start pulling every single out, every single receptacle just to see if, if, if that single strand is yeah. there. And like you said about things very rarely being like an acute problem, like you cannot habitate the property. I feel like that's the gradient for buyers is like, what is a repair versus a renovation? Yeah. Like they're wanting renovations, not repairs. So it's hard. You have to kind of like, okay, well the, ha- the yeah, the roof is old, but that's why it's priced the way it is. Yeah. You know, that, that's I, a very good point. Yeah. The, the price typically 
incorporates these things. That's a very, that's a very, very good point. Because, yeah, we're not paying a premium for new construction on most of these properties. If we want a new roof, new HVAC, new water heater, new everything, then we either need a fully new renovated home or new construction. All these components age at different intervals. So it'd be unlikely to have all the major components be brand new unless it was a new renovation because they just age at different intervals. Right. And, and families, you know, they're going to address those concerns, you know, when those concerns come up. And that's the reason why you'll see some things are new, some things are midlife and some things are at the end of their life. Um, and it's just important to know what, you know, know what those conditions yeah. are like. It, it is always amazing though, the things that do scare people. And some of these things should be scary. Um, but most things are generally not scary, but I, I don't know how many times I, I had this one guy uh, a couple of years ago. He's like, Look, he was looking in the 400s in Silver Spring. He's like, look, I just want a house with no asbestos, no mold, no lead paint, none of this. I'm like, all right, that doesn't exist. Every single house in these neighborhoods has all of those things. <laughs> so, well, my, 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 my response to that, you know, just joking around, if, 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 that, if the client comes to, me like, you know, come to me with that, I would say, well, you can make that house happen. It's called you are going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to upgrade this house because oftentimes you, uh, the, the families hear me say this, you know, this is how you are able to upgrade the house, you know, continue to enhance the property and you can absolutely make that happen. But and in 10 years, there will be something we're building houses with now that they're going to want us to abate. So. Yeah. So, I mean, 10 yes. years ago or 15 well, years ago, it was the Chinese drywall, right? That had the sulfur smells. We've learned that was bad. But again, yeah, something's going in now. It's going to give us cancer. We just won't know what it is for 20 years. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that's why I, I always, I always tell everyone, if you love the house enough to want to pick up the maintenance tab, you do that. If you don't love the house enough to want to, you know, pick up the maintenance tab, that's okay too. But you got to get somebody that's, you know, willing to take their time and is knowledgeable enough to be able to bring to your attention, you know, the different th- types of things that you need to you know, be aware of. And then just take it from there. Yeah. I always think one of the things that, differentiates what I think are so, – so there's many – well, there are bad inspectors who aren't thorough, but there's many inspectors who are thorough that are I describe as good and thorough that I also describe as bad. And I think the difference is the ability to educate the clients on what these things mean, right? Like so you see a federal Pacific panel and you're like, this is a fire hazard. I, well, you have to educate them that on what that exactly means, like – the house is the house going to burn down? Um, and so education in your Instagram is great for educating people. Um, it's definitely one of the differentiators between what makes a successful transaction, right? Because every house is scary, but they're not as scary as we really think that they are. And also, you know, you know, to, to, you know, to add on to what you were saying, you know, even, you know, so when we see certain things, we're also explaining uh, what could possibly happen in the worst case possible scenario. But just like the worst case possible scenario implies, how often does that really truly happen? Not that much, but it's happened enough where now we're all aware of it. And we, and we you know, and, and part of it, you know, our job is as home inspectors or professionals that are aware of these certain things is to, hey, is to say, hey, just so you know, you know, this has been, you know, noted as, you know, this issue um, you do with, you know, with the information, how you like to, you know, address it. But yeah. And I mean, a great example that falls into that is like the, again, aluminum wiring. It can be a fire hazard. Um, but there's ways that we remediate that risk, right? Yes. 
there's fixes that we do to it. We don't tear out all the wires. We do what's called either the pigtail method or the, I forget what the other method is, like a fusing method. There is. Yeah. There, there was, it was a purple connection, but then we found out that you know, attaching that purple connection to it wasn't the greatest idea. So that's, you know, see? So, you see? So, <laughs> you can't do anything. So that, that's, that's, that's why I, I always tell everyone, so just make sure, do you love the house enough to want to pick up the maintenance tab on it? Because if it's not this house, it's the next house, and it doesn't matter the price point. Um, you know, going back to the whole new construction thing, because uh, it's it doesn't matter who the builder is, what area you're, lo- you're looking to build, you know, to build in the size of the house, it's going to be the same. It's going to be linear in terms of the amount of things that we find will also be based off of the actual size of the house itself. But it's all the same. So, yeah, I always find the consumers are I always think there's two kinds of consumers too: the ones that don't care anything about the house, which isn't good. Right. Because then then they get surprised later. They're the people that are taking measurements of the rooms during the home inspection and not paying attention at all. Then there's we swing the other way. There's people that are just overly scared about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they've been living in a house with these problems their whole lives and it never bothered them till, <laughs> till this day. Uh, that's, a very, that's very true. Yeah, you're, you've been living with it the whole entire time when you're renting or when you're in your parents' house or when you're in your current house and you're looking you know, to upgrade the house. Yeah, you start talking to them about lead paint and, and – you know, cause it, you know, get poisoning, blah, blah, blah. Actually, I had the conversation about lead pipes um, not that long ago. Um, I mentioned, you know, I don't drink the water in D.C. and some of these neighborhoods because it's lead pipes in the street. And um, the person started freaking out. And I go, I go, hold on, let me pull up my phone. What's, what's your address? Yeah, you have lead pipes in the street in your neighborhood, too. Like, I've never been- bothered you to write now. <laughs> I drink the water in D.C., I'm fine. Yeah, you're doing great. I'm, so I'm I'm slightly paranoid. I, I live in Frederick, Mount, Mount Airy, Maryland. I, I I think the water is okay, but I, I still go to I still go to the Walmart or wherever every single week, and I've got six you know six you know jugs of water. Just I'm because a, I'm a bottled water drinker too, and I live in new construction. But the turtles, you uh, get a Brita. Oh, that's so much work. You know what? I was actually so, so. So speaking of Brita, I forget what triggered me wanting to look it up. But have you guys heard of Voss? Uh, it uh, sounds familiar. The fancy water bottles. The fancy water bottle. Yeah. What makes that so expensive? I don't know. I wonder. It co- yeah, it comes in a glass bottle. But how is that so different than Fiji? It's just the or exclusivity any- of it. I think. I think they've branded themselves well. Yeah, it's just that's like a good po- that's a good it's point. Just like water in italics. Just like the difference between a luxury agent and a regular agent. They just branded themselves that way. Yeah, it all comes down to good marketing, I guess. I've never bought a bottle of Voss. I got one like at a hotel one time, I think, but it tasted kind of nasty. So you get any good tips for the typical home buyer going to inspection or maybe even a seller who might consider getting a home inspection? Before they put it on the market, mm-hmm. um, any good tips for the consumers? Well, for se- well, for sellers, um, I would ask if you know that your house is is getting ready to be inspected. There are certain areas that we as, as inspectors need to go to all the time. Um, and if for some reason if we can't get to it, we'll do our best to try to move things out of the way to be able to you know in- inspect whatever it is that we need to inspect. But technically, we're not supposed to be moving things out of the way. So you could have an inspector that goes by the book and says, well, I'm not touching that. So therefore, this is not inspected. This is an inspection restriction. Go figure this out. But things like the electrical panel, you want to make sure that you've got, you know, you- you've got like a safe distance you know around that electrical panel. That way that inspector can get there. You know, ideally, they 
would like to have three feet in front of them. They'd like to have, call it maybe 31 inches to left and right, you know, to be able to inspect that safely, you know, quote unquote safely. Um, you know, the HVAC system, so the furnace, you know, we need to be able to get to that. If there's an unfinished area in the basement, which everybody does, is, is it possible to pull things off of the wall? And so that way we can at least see, you know, what's, what's, you know, what's at that corner to make sure, you know, you know, the wall's not leaking. The reason why that's so important is because everyone's grading. I feel like this pops up in, in everybody's home. You know, the grading needs attention. You know, the gutters need attention. So <laughs> literally uh, every inspection every, I go every, on, every every single house. So every every gutter is too close. So, but if you know, since that's happening, then you know, it could bring up you know the chance for water intrusion into the house. So we need to be able to see what's that found. You know, what's the what's the floor like? And you know, if there's too much stuff on the walls, I can't see. So and then, and then that gets written off. Because I, I can't see it. So um, also being able to get into the attic. Don't you know? Don't put things you know right you know right below the attic access. Where now I've got to move that stuff to you. I've got a ladder, and it just takes more time. So you know when a, a certain amount of time has been allotted you know for a home inspection, it takes up time to be able to do those extra things. Yeah, I mean so, an extra three, four, five minutes at each thing is going to add up to a half up. hour. You know, just moving stuff throughout the course of the, these few hours. Yes. So, you know, and, and when, you know, and, and when everyone's doing their best to be accommodative as possible, you've got the, you've got the buyers that are taking off from work. You've got the sellers that are leaving their house and possibly being inconvenienced, but they still want to be able to sell the property. So, you know, we need to be as efficient, you know, at the house as possible. So please. Yeah. And what about on the buy side? Any good tips for buyers? Uh, for buyers, I think uh, just look, you know, if you're, if you're going to, and I think it's, you know, the market is shifting now, but if you're going to think about not going in with a home inspection, make sure you're looking at those major components of the home, or at least doing your best to try to familiarize yourself with how to, um, how to evaluate those major components, you know, just at like, you know, at, at, a, at a distance to be able to know what that condition is like. So when you're looking at the roof, are those roofing shingles curling? When you go downstairs to the furnace, do you see rust? You know, is something leaking? Same thing for the water heater. When you walk up to that water heater, look at the very bottom. Is there rust? Because oftentimes that's indicative of the fact that the water is starting to erode the metal, and then that's that's going to go. And, you know, at 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 some point, the you know, electrical panel is easy. Um, that you know, that's where. So you take a look at the age of the house, um, and then oftentimes they're going to have the approval sticker right there on the panel. You know, for you know, for you, you're going to have like WSSE, you know, doing their approval and everything else. So you know, take you know, so. 2022 minus you know whatever you know whatever you know the the inspection approval was boom that you know you know how old that panel is and most panels last for 25 to 30 years you know if you know and you know it's time to it's time to at least think about replacing it those are easy things that anybody can do um to be able to at least give themselves a general idea in terms of you know what the condition of the house is like but if you know imagine being able to pick out those things but you know what can a trained eye you know find you know that you may not be able to find so. Yep, and there's always something you're going to see that even right. I've been on hundreds of inspections, right? But I still look at a property different than a home inspector does. So I always feel like I'm good at pointing out the big things, but the home inspect. And I always tell my clients, do not take what I'm telling you as a home inspection, right? Get a professional out here to really, really dig into these things, especially since you you guys take all these classes where you're studying what material does you know should be pulled out of there that I might have no idea about because I might not have ever encountered it. Like polybulane pipes. I almost never encounter. There's one neighborhood in Gaithersburg. I know that has it. 
But if someone hasn't sold there, if they're an agent, they may not even know what a polybutylene pipe is. Is that how you say it? Polybutylene? Polybutylene. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so it's, it's, it's gray in color. Um, it's actually stamped. So, so if you see, if you see plumbing that's gray in color, um, if you're able to look at the coding that's on, on the pipe itself, because it'll actually start with the letters PB and then a serial numbers, you know, for it. And that stands for polybutylene. So, you, you know. Um, but you know, you're per- you know, going back to what you, what you were saying. So, you know, the, even the trained eye going back to new construction, even the trained eye, if they don't have enough time, a lot will be missed. Um, uh, so the house that I was just at yesterday, um, it's actually really, really interesting because so anything that you could get to really, really easy without the aid of a ladder, it was pretty clean. It was pretty clean. It was in pretty good shape. But then everything that took more time to get to, where you had to get a ladder, you know, you know, extend it, you know, and then and then collapse it back down, then extend it again. All of those, all of those systems and functionalities, lots of mate, lots of maintenance. So everything like six or seven feet and up was like a <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why I always tell everyone: yes, your site supervisor is incredibly knowledgeable, but does does he or she have the time to be able to look at your house? thoroughly enough to be able to identify identify those types of things probably not which is the reason why you know if 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 you all follow follow my stories and and follow my page that's the reason why this stuff pops up every single day everyone is doing their best to try to make make it as safe as possible but there's just not enough people to go around yeah so um uh tell us what areas do you cover for inspections so so everywhere in the DMV, so we can go all the way down into Virginia, we can do Maryland, we can do D.C. Um, every once in a while I go into Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania is an unlicensed state. And then also West Virginia, too. I've been getting a lot of calls for, for West Virginia. Uh, beautiful, beautiful area. That, that's that's where I was at yesterday. Uh, yeah, I guess if you're going from Mount Airy over, you know, that's really not that far. Just driving past Frederick and then to the border. Yeah. Half an hour. Yeah. Half an hour. And you, you, you cross over this bridge. I forget the name of the bridge. Um, but it's, it's, it's actually, it's a really beautiful drive and everyone's starting to migrate that way too, because, you know, everyone is coming from Montgomery County into DC into the Frederick area. Uh, and I know because every single time when I'm doing new construction, I ask them, Hey, so where are you coming from? It's always like Montgomery County. Like, We're coming from Silver Spring. We're coming from DC. So now Frederick area is, is booming so much and the housing prices have gone up so much. Now people are starting to move into West Virginia. And I was getting so many calls. So I said, Hey, I'm going to, yeah, I'm a, I always think it's interesting when I meet a, a West Virginian that commutes to DC for work. There's a number of them. Oh, wow. That's an, that's an interesting. That's yeah. There's interesting. a, there's a train line that goes to union station from West Virginia, but it, it just seems crazy to me. How long is that drive? Or how long is that commute? Longer than I would be willing to take. That's for sure. I don't know. If uh, I Cause would. I think Frederick, Frederick's a little over an hour. So it's gotta be like 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so if I, so long as I go in, in about an hour's radius, I think that's, that's the max for me. Anything more than that. It's, it's a little tedious. Unless it's a uh, really, uh, Nice, nicely priced property. Right? Unless, you, <laughs> um, unless you ask me to go into one of those ultra, ultra luxury homes. Like, yeah. 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 Wherever. <laughs> yeah. One of the problems real estate agents face when we're going into these luxury homes is we just want to buy them. And <laughs> I don't face that problem. Yeah, and then when we go to do renovations in our house, we're, we're renovating we're them to like yeah. renovating some $700,000 house to $2 million standards. So you often find real estate agents with the houses so pimped out that they can't sell them. Oh, no. <laughs> Very common uh, thing I see in our industry. I fall into the same trap too, where I'll just come home and I'll, I'll show my wife all these different things. And then she'll say, no, Phil, no, that's not our style. Like, but what is. if we had eight more shower heads? Just stay with me here. <laughs> eight more. 
Two is not enough. Coming from each direction. Yeah. yeah. Have you all seen this one showerhead? I, so I think it's made by Kohler. So I actually, I, I, I got told no by my wife. Um, but for the next home, for, for, for the next home, I want to be able to put it in. I think it's built by Kohler. It's called Real Rain. So it's, so it's an above showerhead mm-hmm. and it has this reservoir that's attached to it. So as you're running the shower and as you're getting a shower, there's extra water that gets diverted into this reservoir and it fills up. So then as soon as you're ready to push the button, so you push it and then it just dumps all this water to you at once. So it's, it's as if like you're out in the rainforest and they say that's your like your last your your last push to get you know to like energize you and get and get you ready for the day. So someone's just like taking a bunch of like a bucket of water and just like whoosh. No, like eleven year old me would have been making DIY like Destiny's Child music videos. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds amazing. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but uh, now I'm going to start looking for it because I might yeah. want to use it. I think it's called Kohler Real Rain. And I think it's also, uh, at the time when I was trying to price it out, I think it was reasonably priced. Or And when I also I say reasonable, you know, that, that, that's like a relative term. But I think it was like $1,500 or so. So in my mind, I was like, I can swing that. I can swing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. I'll just, I'll just leave it in my house. It'll sit in my garage. And then when we're doing the renovation, that'll just naturally come out. It's like, oh, it, it was already here and I can't return it now because it's past the, it's, it's past the 30 day. I guess we have to install it. I think a divorce is going to cost you a lot more than $1,500. <laughs> so. All right. So tell our listeners how they can reach you. We already get your Instagram at uh, Frederick Home Inspector. Um, mm-hmm. Website, phone number, email, anything else? Yeah. So website is uh, www www.frederickhomeinspection.com. Uh, my cell phone is 301-351-2130. Uh, so when you go to the website, you'll see a lot of what... I think I'm biased. A lot of a lot of really cool things there. So you'll see uh, you'll see a sample report section where we've given you all just not just one report, but I think there's ten up there. So sometimes people will will will, will ask me, well, do you really find all those things? You know, in every single home, well, yes. Check out the ten. You know, it's it's every single it's every single house. Um, but then also there's a there's a link uh, or there, there's a different there's a section at the bottom of, of the homepage where it actually shows you how to follow us on Instagram. And then you, you can see, you know, everything that we're doing on an, on a daily basis, what actually gets found. And I, I try to make it kind of funny, too. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, if you guys are looking for a home inspector, make sure to reach out to uh, Phil, follow him on Instagram and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact the hosts, reach out to them at info at dcrealestatepodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you access your podcasts. <laughs>